0: All right, now, let's have some fun. Uh, real quick, show of hands, how many people have been on fire for a relationship before? They've been on fire in a relationship, right? Whether it be a partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, whether it be a, a spiritual relationship, hopefully you're on fire. A few, few people. Uh, I would like to start things off by kind of telling you a time that I personally was on fire for a relationship. So, set the scene. The year was, no, it was like 15, 20 years ago or so and I was dating a woman at the time and we were doing what most young kids, hip kids like to do at the time and we were going to the club. So we went to the club to go dancing one night and just like normal hip kids who like to go to the club often, we showed up way too early, nobody's dancing at all and the dance floor is empty and she's like, come on, come on, come on, let's dance. And me, I'm like, oh, I gotta like impress and I want her to like me, so okay, cool. Yeah, let's go dance. Even though like my internal insides were freaking out. Like everybody's just gonna be staring at us. But me was like, no, you can do it, you can do it. So we're out there, we're dancing. She convinces me and I'm getting into the groove. I'm busting out the robot, doing all the good moves that really impress people. And this guy comes up and he taps me and he's like, hey bro, you're on fire, man. And I was like, thanks, dude. Yeah. And he was like, no, bro, you're on fire. And I look down and no joke, there are flames shooting out of my pocket. And I'm like, oh, what is happening? I reach in my pocket. I pull out the contents. There is a lighter and some tissues. And I pull it out and it's like a terrible magic trick. It hits the air and it's just like poof into flames. And I throw it on the floor and I'm stomping on it. And then I pause for a second and get my bearings and I like look around and I'm like surely nobody saw that meanwhile everybody's just like standing off to the side like and I look at her and I'm like I I would like to leave now (laughs) and she's like okay so that was me being on fire for a relationship I would suggest that maybe if you guys try it go the figurative route not the literal route being on fire is not as fun as it sounds um but we are going to talk about relationships today, and I'm excited to do that with uh, with somebody that I am in a relationship with and yeah. love very much, one of my very good friends, Sayer.
1: That's right. I, Q, I was just thinking as you were saying that, if that would have happened to me, it would have I mean, I guess maybe the second time, like you have the first time to go through that where the poof and then you want to leave. But the second time, maybe you do like a night at the Roxbury thing. Like the show must go on. really get into it. I meant to do that. I meant to be on fire. Yeah, exactly. That was was totally planned. But I think just like the person who pointed that out for you, like we need booger friends in our life. Do you have booger friends? Like people (laughs) who will point out that you have a booger sticking out. Or if you've ever gone out to (laughs) eat with friends, like and you leave and you get in the car and you're like, Man, that was such a good time. And you look in the rearview mirror, and you see this huge like thing in your teeth, and you're like, "Why the heck did my so-called friends not tell me that I just had that thing in my teeth?" It's there you yeah, have it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let me get that. Okay. No, but we need friends like that in our life. And we're we're going through this series right now called the Formula for Life Change. And I just think, man, what does life change look like? What what does that mean? And I think as as I thought about that this week, and as we were talking about it what it really looks like, what life change looks like, is exactly what we've been talking about the last four weeks. So if you haven't been here, let's quickly recap. We talked about the importance of God's Word. We've talked about accountability, getting uncomfortable, being vulnerable, and all of this culminates into the, the five-stone gauntlet, the Thanos gauntlet, which the last <laughs> missing stone is relationships. It's friendships and relationships. So that, true. And I think I had to write this down because, man, when the Holy Spirit says things, you have to write it down. But 100%. but it, friendships and relationships are important. They're so important to God, and we know that because why? Genesis 2 says, God said it, it's not good for man to be alone, alone. right? We're created for relationships, right. but not just any old relationships, right? It's relationships and friendships that are rooted in a mutual love and pursuit of Jesus, right? That's yeah, what we yeah. we have to have that, and so... I think it's really cool that God's Word kind of fortifies a lot of the points that we make a lot of times, right? So let's open up our Bibles. If you got them, we're going to spend quite a bit of time in the book of Matthew today. So Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's the first of the Gospels, the four Gospels, and we're going to go to chapter 18, and we're going to take a look at verse 20. If you don't have your Bibles or a mobile device with a Bible on it, I want to encourage you to grab one before you leave or download the Bible app, and let's get into the word together when we come here on Sundays, and I love when we get to do that, but it'll also be on the screen for you, and Matthew 18, 20 says this, for where two or three gather together, I am there among them. Mm. Oh. I forgot, some, I forgot a piece of that. That doesn't seem Oh, right. yeah. For where two or three gather together in my name, I am among them. And that speaks to the point that we need friendships and relationships rooted in a mutual love and pursuit of Jesus. In my name is such a crucial piece of that scripture right there, right? Like we need friends in our life who love Jesus more than they love anybody or anything else desperately. We desperately need those people in our lives, and we need friends who will be intentional. And we're going to talk a lot about intentionality today, but we need to also be willing to be that person for other people, right? That's what we've been talking about this all throughout this series. Life change involves a lot of things coming back to you, but mostly us pouring out right? We have to get into God's Word. We have to be willing to get uncomfortable. We have to be willing to be vulnerable, to be willing to be holding each other accountable. And and each other means that there's accountability going two ways, right? And so I, I think that leads me to today's main point. So if you, I know uh, you don't have physical notes to write stuff down today, but everybody's got a phone or you got a, I see a lot of people, this is really creative. People take out their phones and take pictures of the screen when notes pop up sometimes. That's a really good idea. So, that also kudos. works. Yeah, that works. We'll so, accept
0: all of the above. Yeah,
1: if you're, if you're writing things down, write this down. If you're not writing things down, write this down, okay? Life change will never happen. True life change will never happen without intentional relationships. It'll never happen without intentional relationships. And I love it. Pastor Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in, in Georgia. He says this Your friends determine the direction. And quality of your life. It's so true. We need people in our lives that love Jesus more than they love anybody or anything else. Yeah, it's
0: incredibly important. You know, this is the final ingredient for life change, right, for in that formula, and we've talked about the importance uh, throughout the week, like Sayer had mentioned, and or throughout throughout the weeks, Um, but one of these things, these aren't merely suggestions, you know, some people, it's easy to brush it off as like, oh, I should be vulnerable, but I don't necessarily have to be. I should be in the Word, but maybe I don't have to be. But much like Sayer had mentioned with the Thanos gauntlet, all of these things are necessary. They're not, they're not merely suggestions. And as a matter of fact, you know, like Sayer said, we're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew. Let's reference another, uh, another verse here in 22, 34 through 40... He's going to tell us exactly, it's not just a suggestion, it's a command. He commands that we have intentional loving relationships. So to give you a little context for this scripture, uh, in this situation, Pharisee has come up to Jesus and is trying to, to trick him into a trap question, right? He thinks he knows the answer that Jesus is going to give him, and he's excited because it's like, yeah, I got him, I'm going to trick him. Now, spoiler alert for the rest of the Bible, I don't know if you know this, but um, it's real hard to trick Jesus, And it doesn't work. But instead, what happens when you try and trick Jesus is you get things that you need. How weird is that? You try to set him up, and instead he sets you up for success. So, what happens in this scripture? Pharisee's coming up to talk to him, and the Pharisee says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replies, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now let's just soak in the power of Jesus' statement there for a second. Talk about intentional relationships being more than a suggestion, right? He says that loving God and to love someone is to have a relationship with them. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind is the most important. And the second and equally as important, loving each other intentionally. I mean, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a suggestion to me.
1: It's not. And I think that that's exactly why we're sitting here today, because we understood at least at, at one point we understood like we need to get into these intentional relationships. So the reason why Q and I are sitting up here today is because just about a year ago, we decided to get into a purpose group here at, at the church. And so Q and I, as well as Benji, who's here, I think sitting over there. Yes. yes thankfully, Benji. Benji
0: is here. Otherwise, Benji you guys were going to see accountability live and in action. Yeah, I was about to text him.
1: Where are you yeah, at? Yeah, we we be texting each other. I, I think Monty, you told a story about that last year, or Cassie texting uh, people who didn't show up on Sunday. And we do we do that to hold each other accountable because <laughs> we made a decision, we signed a covenant to like get intentional about our relationship with each other, with God, to be vulnerable, to be accountable. And the reason that we did that is because we know what Proverbs 27, 17 says. Maybe you've seen this tattooed on the wall of, like, a, a gym or, like, on somebody's T-shirt or maybe on a bumper sticker of a car. Iron sharpens iron, right? I mean, that, that I, maybe you didn't even know that was from the Bible, but it's <laughs> so appropriate for today. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend Sharpens a friend. I, I think I've I've seen it said like so. One man sharpens another, but I love that this translation, the New Living Translation, says a friend sharpens a friend. And that's exactly what we we need so desperately because life change is never going to happen without intentional relationships. And we understood that. So that's why we, we, we joined the purpose group. Or I met Benji initially uh, during life group. So it's not just purpose groups where these intentional oh. things happen. It's during life groups. It's in Celebrate Recovery. It's in so many different things that we have available here at the church for you yes. to be able to get involved and get into intentional relationships. And I would contend, if you're not being challenged, just like we talk about iron sharpening iron, by the way, that's not just a, a permission to point out flaws in other people. As we talked about on Friday, I was ta- talking with Dave. He, he was talking about that. And it, it's not just a permission verse to say, like, hey, I need to point out a flaw that you have because it's iron sharpening iron, and I need to point out what you're doing wrong. No, it, it's meant that we sharpen each other because how many of you know you go into battle with a dull blade, and you're, you're not going to last very long out there on the battlefield? And so, We need to be willing to challenge each other because healthy things grow. And if you're not growing, I would contend that you're dying. And if you're dying, what are you offering to other people? What are you offering to those people in your life that you love? And I love that we've talked about the importance of accountability and vulnerability in this series because it's taught us, like, this is not just a one-way street, right?
0: No, it requires two active participants, so a lot of times I think relationships in general can be uh, misunderstood. That One party is the receiving party. One party is like, yes, help me, grow me, build me, love me. But they often forget the part that is, but I in turn need to grow you, build you, love you the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important, um, and it, this reminds me in particular of a story that you know we uh, I would like to share about you, actually, yeah, yeah. Sayer. Um, so a little context, a little setup here. Uh, the context is I am the leader of our purpose group. Sounds like a humble brag, not helps for the context, but I'm the leader of this purpose group. And uh, several months into our group, uh, Sayer reached out via text message. We have a chat thread gro- going where we keep in contact with each other uh, in between our purpose group meetings, just for updates, but also to share word observations, things like that. And he messaged, and he said, Hey, Q, uh, notice that you haven't really been connecting very much in our chat thread. Um, Hope you're staying in the word. Hope everything is okay. And now I reacted in what I would assume would be like the normal fashion, and I looked at that text message, and I was like... (gasps) How dare he call me out about the thing that I am aware that I am avoiding? This is absolutely ridiculous. What a terrible friend Sayer is. And a, much like a grown adult man, I ran to my wife and I was like, Sayre's picking on me. To which she responded, okay, she let me like vent. He said that uh, I'm not texting enough. Well, I feel like I'm texting and I don't know. And then, you know, she was patient and she waited and at the end she goes, hey, not for nothing, just going to throw this out there. Do you think that maybe he wasn't messaging you to pick on you and instead was messaging you to genuinely make sure that you're okay and to help kind of get you on track? And I listened to that, and I was like, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly, yes, I was getting to that point right after I finished complaining. Uh, Yes, definitely that's probably what he was doing. And I went away, and I sat on it. And the more I sat on it, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, Sayer had reached out in love the more grateful I became for that message what I originally bristled at <clears throat> I suddenly start to realize was actually a friend caring about me and loving me because the truth of the matter is the reason I had been distant in our text thread was because I had not been in the Word regularly, and I was going through, I would say, maybe a, a depressed moment, a depressed time. And I knew, now reflecting on it, that Sayer was prompted by the Spirit and and reached out to me. So we get together our, in our group the next week, and one of the first things I said to him was, Hey, Sayer, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate you reaching out. Uh, now, I'm not going to tell you that I was very excited at the time that I received the text because I wasn't, and I maybe cried about it a little bit and was upset, but now I've had time to think on it, and he kind of gave a sigh of relief and was like, good, man, I'm so glad. I was really worried that you were going to take it the wrong way, that maybe you would feel like I was, I was challenging you in a negative sense. And I told him, and I said, man, I cannot tell you enough how much I really appreciate it. I didn't realize how off I had gotten, and I didn't realize kind of the space that I was in. So I really value you doing that. I really appreciate it. And one of the things that it made me think of was the fact that Sayer, clearly it was not comfortable for him to challenge me, both on a friend level but also as kind of like this perceived hierarchy of the group and how that worked or whatever – it, but he fought through and pushed through the uncomfortability, and instead, he made change in my life. And what it brought to mind was the fact that your most uncomfortable moment may be someone else's saving grace. Hmm. It may be the thing that pulls them back from the edge. It may be just something that gets them back in the word and realigned here. But for you to make yourself uncomfortable is a, is a great sacrifice to grow your, your fellow person, whoever you may be in that relationship with.
1: Yeah, and, and it has to be coupled with relationship equity, right? Like I said, iron sharpening iron is not an opportunity for us to just be like, hey, I, I see this in you and I don't like it, so change it. And they're like, what are you talking about? I don't even know who you are. When you give somebody permission to speak into your life, That kind of thing, it it can go from being seen as a harsh criticism to understanding that the Holy Spirit is convicting. It's a huge, huge difference between those two things when you have a relationship with somebody. Just like, I'll never forget, I had a great relationship with my youth pastor when I was maybe 15, 16 years old he kind of became one of my good friends. Like, I, I would see him at the school all the time because he was a substitute teacher. He was one of everybody's favorite teachers, and I absolutely loved this guy, and that was part of the reason why uh, when my mommy and daddy made me play music at the church, even though I didn't want to be there, I was happy to be there because I really liked the youth pastor. He was such a, he was, he was so nice to me, and, and at that time, time like you really like in, you guys all know this at that time in your life you need people that will value you as human beings and he did exactly that he valued me as a human being so i was willing to listen to what he had to say, but that did not stop me from being upset about having to be at the youth group when I didn't want to be there, which was every single week, because, well, my friends are playing rec league basketball, and I would much rather be doing that, or even, for those of you who binge right now, I don't think anybody really knows what binging TV is, unless you grew up with the MTV shows of old, like (laughs) Next, and Room Raiders, and...
0: You mean shows like where they decide to completely delete your car's trunk and put yes. a fish tank in its place?
1: Yes, because you had a magazine in the car with a fish on it, therefore you must love fishing and fishes. And to have fish. a fish tank yeah. trunk. Yeah. A fish trunk. Pimp My Ride, Cribs. I was binging all that stuff, and I'm like, why are you pulling me from MTV and Pop-Tarts when I, you know, that, that's what I want to be doing as a 15, 16 year old kid. So when they forced me to go to the youth group, I wore that on my sleeve. Very much so. I, I showed that I did not want to be there. I would go like work out every, a couple days during the week and I would show up on Wednesday night like in my gym clothes. And this youth pastor, Jamie, who who I I know loved me he came up to me after probably a a year of this going on, me coming late, leaving early, not building any relationships, clearly showing that I didn't want to be there. He came up to me and I don't remember the exact words that he said to me, but I'll never forget how he made me feel because he told me essentially like, hey man, you're here for the complete wrong reasons. Like I know you're showing up and I know that you're being part of the team, like you're playing drums and playing guitar and things like that, but like, he, and he was even trying to be nice. He's like, I see you, you've been in the gym, but, like, you don't need to wear your gym clothes to, to youth. Like, you know, go home and shower and, like, change and things like that before you come. And he was really trying to value me by calling out these things that, like, Q was just talking about in his story. Like, I already knew these things were true, but for somebody to point it out to me, I I didn't know how much I needed it in the moment. So what did I do? I went home and told my mommy, just like you told your wife. Like any and, good yeah. Almost adult man. Whatever. Almost, yeah, yeah, teenage, yeah. So, and, and I think, like, when, when I did that, my mom was like, I'm calling the church right now. And I was like, no, please don't. Like, that's even more embarrassing. But, like, she insisted. She called the church. She got a hold of the youth music guy, it wasn't even the youth pastor, and she's just ripping this guy a new one over the phone. And I can hear it from the other room, and I'm like, I'm so embarrassed, and I'm so ashamed. And then, like, the Holy Spirit just totally convicted me in this moment. And he's like... Uh, it's like he put his hand on on my leg, and he's like, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, Jamie was right, right? Like, you know, he was right." And at, you know, even at, even as a teenager, which, by the way, if you're a teenager in this room, First Timothy four twelve says that don't ever let anyone look down on you because you're young. But in all things, set an example and be an example in the way that you live and love and act. And that's what you need to live by. That's what Jamie told, taught me to live by, and it changed my life. So believe that about yourself, but. I I just sat there in my room and I just cried. I cried and I I was like, man, like, I can't believe that jerk was right. (laughs) You know, like, I am going for all the wrong reasons. And I had to decide in that moment, I came to a fork in the road where I had to decide, like, am I going to continue doing this? for myself, like to do this, to please my mom, to do this, to come to the, to youth, because I, I don't want to be embarrassed when I run into Jamie at school. Like, I was literally thinking about that. Like, I'm going to run into Jamie. He's going to be a substitute teacher at some point. He's going to ask me, why haven't you been coming to church? And I'm going to have to answer that brutal question, and I was afraid of that. I was afraid of seeing people that I knew from the church at school But that fear was what was crippling me, and I had to make a decision, like, am I going to continue to do this for those reasons, or am I going to start to actually serve God from my heart and do what I know he's asked and called me to do and what he's gifted me to be able to do? So I would just encourage you in this If maybe that's you. Maybe you've been getting dragged to church for a really long time, but somebody who's dragging you to church loves you, and that somebody who's dragging you to church who loves you probably loves Jesus more than they love anybody or anything else, and that's why they're dragging you. Or maybe that's why you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you're like, hey, I don't want to be there, but I'm here anyway. When you show up the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do. And I believe that that life change is only going to happen through intentional relationships. So Q, we know that we can't write people off. We can't write ourselves off.
0: No, man. And that's, that's a powerful statement to be totally blunt and honest. I think it's something that, um, as parents, I know we have a lot in the room that I think is easy to, to overlook. Um, and I've, Thank God that your parents and the people around you in your church had the foresight to keep pushing you, even though you would be rather watching, you know, fish tanks get installed in cars. Um, they realized that that's not what was best for you in that moment. Um, and it makes me think of a situation that, that I had uh, several years ago. So for those of you who, who know maybe a little bit of my background and for those who don't, uh, I was an atheist until about three years ago when, um, again, a church reached out to me in, uh, in faith and offered me a love like I had never experienced. And it changed my world and introduced me to the most important relationship in my life. And... I got to thinking, uh, so some of you know my family, hate my wife Haley and our two boys, Teddy and Wilder, and they're usually in kids' ministry, but uh, unfortunately today, Teddy decided to like projectile vomit everywhere this morning. Um, so, prayers for him. But uh, I also have two additional children, two older teenage daughters from a previous marriage, uh, Gabby and Regan. And uh, several years back, while I was still deep in my atheist ways, they came to me. Um, now, I grew up in the South. I'm from the South, so churches in the South are like Starbucks. They're pretty much like every, on every corner, and so they're inundated in a lot of good ways uh, by faith, um, and so my, my daughters had kind of a tangential understanding of faith and of relationships, and they were at a pivotal point, a pivotal point in that relationship, and they came to me as a lot of children will to their parents and and asked me if that was where they should be going, if that was the direction and, and and a relationship with God was something that was important. And like any good atheist, I told them, well, God doesn't exist. So no. That's a waste of your time. Educate yourself. Man, silence. That's about that's about how the reaction should be because I made one of the most grave mistakes that a parent can make and I turned my children away from their one path to salvation and upon finding a relationship with God years later I realized the mistake that I had made and I dedicated myself to trying to figure out how to bring home my lost sheep because ministry starts at home And I realized that it was integral to me to make sure that they were saved at the end of the day if I did nothing else. And so we've been fostering that relationship. And uh, Haley had a great idea earlier this summer. My daughters were coming to visit and she was like, hey, why don't we buy them Bibles? Right? Like this really nice leather bound kind of keepsake Bibles. Brilliant idea. And she was like, but let's take it a step further. Let's really be intentional with the gift. And let's go through for a couple weeks leading up to them coming. Let's go through and let's highlight verses that mean something to us, right? And so every morning, Haley and I would sit and trade the Bibles back and forth. And I would highlight a verse that meant something to me. And she would highlight a verse that meant something to her. And these are journaling Bibles. So they have columns on the right side. And we would tell little anecdotal stories about what that verse meant. Meant to us, right? Not a you should do this because, but instead of here's how this helped your dad, right? And so during that process, Haley looked at me one morning and she said, uh, she said, I have this weird feeling. Now, to give you context, their mother is also not a person of faith, right? So no chance, right? They Their, their dad is telling them not to worry about it. Their mom is telling them not to worry about it. So why would they worry about it? So Haley tells me, hey, I have this weird feeling, she casted some vision on me, I have this weird feeling that your, your ex-wife, their mom, may come to faith during us trying to save the girls. And I let out maybe the heartiest laugh I have ever let out in my entire life. <laughs> Ridiculous. But my daughters, definitely, for sure, they'll probably be saved. But her, hopeless. And I was like, all right, well, let's do this, this Bible thing. Very cute idea. Love that you want that for her, but um, let's do this. So they come, and we gift them these Bibles, and I'm not exactly sure what sort of reaction I was expecting. I don't know if I was expecting them to just, like, fall on the floor and be like, thank you, Dad. This is what we needed. We're saved now. Or if I was just expecting them to just be like, thanks. But it was somewhere in the middle, and it was just kind of a thanks. I appreciate that. And we didn't push on it too hard because, you know, a lot of times intentionality requires a gentle touch. And so I gifted it to them. And about a day later, I'm overhearing a conversation as a dad. I'm listening. I'm spying on a conversation that my daughter is having with her mom. And in that conversation, I hear her tell her mother about this Bible that she got from us. And... I hear something that rocks my world. What I hear is her mom say, I'm so glad that you got that. And just so you know, if you ever want me to read the Bible with you, I will. (laughs) And I realized a couple of really integral facts in that moment. One, that I had completely written off their mother. From salvation and the second part is imagine if God had done that to me imagine as somebody who is claiming to follow Jesus and walk his walk I'm pretty sure there's a story in here somewhere that says something about Jesus being willing to leave the 99 for the one but for some reason I was only focused on the two I wasn't thinking about the ripple effect that relationship with God can have. And so I realized how thankful I was that God had not given up on me like I had on her. And how grateful I was for the miracle of intentionality. When you do things and you set God up for him to show his glory... It will always exceed expectations. The miracle was never just to bring the girls back to salvation. The miracle was to affect the people around them, to change multiple lives forever. And so it's, it's incredibly important. And mm-hmm. I wanted to share that because it's an incredibly important part of relationships. Intentionality and giving God the room to move. You will see things that you can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, and and believing the best in others is a huge aspect of healthy, intentional relationships that are centered on Christ. I think of Jesus and the disciples, right? And when Jesus is about to ascend back up into heaven in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, he says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. And I, I, I love that piece of it because how did Jesus love the disciples? He laid down his life for them. He he washed the feet of the betrayer, Judas. He gave redemption, offered redemption to Peter who denied him three times as he was on his way to the cross. Like Jesus loved his disciples with such a sacrificial, deep, intentional, relational love that they, they would have known, like it would have been like speaking a, a certain language to them when he said, love others as I have loved you. Like that example right there and what Q just talked about, believing the best in others, and learning, you need a Haley in your life to believe the best in other people. Maybe she should be up here. Yeah, right, right? Uh, But that's why you need people who love Jesus more than they love anyone or anything else, right? And who in your life have you given that permission to, to speak into your life, to be, to plant those seeds of hope for other people that maybe you don't even believe? Like, and I just think about this, like, as we, as, as we talk through these stories, we've shared all these stories in our group together. Like, we've talked about these things, we've celebrated thing, these things, we've prayed over these things, we have gotten excited for each other over text during the week and in person when we meet together, but I, I wrote a couple of questions down I want you to ask yourself. Who in your life have you given permission to be pushing you to be a better spouse, a better friend, a better parent, to be more like Jesus? Because remember, the, the, Friends that you have in your life, they determine the direction and quality of your life. Who do, you, who do you reach out to when times are tough, times of tragedy? Like, who do you reach out to when things are not going well at work? Or who do you celebrate when things are going well at work, right? Who do you, who do you reach out to when you're facing a desperate time? Who, who do you text and call to just encourage, just to lift them up, right? Yeah, I would
0: like to add to that again, the two-way street context that we're talking about, who is doing that for you? But who are you doing that for? Who are you pushing? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you texting and encouraging and bringing back that center of faith in their life?
1: Yeah. None of that is possible without a relationship with Jesus. We're, We're talking about relationships with people being so integral. And I would invite Martine, you can come up now to play. But a relationship with Jesus is essential for any of this to even happen in the first place, right? And it's, yeah. it, it totally changes the reflection of all of our relationships. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's something that's important to remember, and that is that our external relationships in life are always going to be a direct reflection of our current relationship with God. So if you're not right here, there's no way you're going to be right here. Yeah
1: you can't uh you can't love as i have loved right no. if you don't know who jesus is and so that's exactly where so many of us are at, I think, in our walk, is at that crossroads or at that fork in the road where we're like, do I really want a relationship with Jesus? Do I really want to pursue this intentionality? Do I really want to get into a life group and get vulnerable or let people hold me accountable to do something that's uncomfortable for me? Do I really care enough to get in God's Word? Like, I know John three sixteen, and I now know Proverbs 27, 17, and I know a couple of others in there, right? But Do I really need to get into the word every day? What does that matter? Well, I'll tell you why it matters is because you'll never stumble into knowing the promises of God and being able to have those written on your heart. Like, I think a lot of times we just hope in relationships with Jesus or people that this divine intervention, lightning strike type of thing, like expecting to go to Disney World and, and expecting to see somebody that you know at Disney World. It's like, well, that's never going to happen. Why? Because that stuff is just, it's such a random, random occurrence. But Jesus, he's available every single day. He's, he's right there.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It, the key is, and we've talked about it, intentionality, right? We said it at the top. Life change will never happen without intentional Relationships. To give you an example, me being an atheist, like I said, grew up in the South, surrounded by church. I knew the stories. I knew the Bible. I knew who Jesus was. I knew that he died and I knew that he supposedly came back to life. I knew these things, but it didn't mean knowledge didn't equal a relationship. And I realized about a year and a half ago that my atheism wasn't a belief structure. It was a defense mechanism. What had happened was, I had sat in church as a kid and I had watched all of these people around me have spiritual experiences. I had watched people crying, weeping after hearing a word. I've watched people raise their hands and dancing in the aisles during praise and worship. I had seen all of these things, but what I didn't understand was, why was I not feeling that? Why? why I'm listening to the stories, I'm here. Why am I not feeling it? And the answer was, is because I wasn't seeking it. I was wanting what everybody else just had so I could be part of the group. It wasn't a desire for an intentional and direct relationship. So fast forward, my defense walls up, and I'm like, well, I've figured out the actual secret. The actual secret was there was no God, and all of these people were faking And I am just smart enough, I guess, to see beyond the fake show that they put on every Sunday. And that's what I convinced myself. And I went out into the world with that same belief set. And I convinced my kids and I convinced others that I interacted with. Because our actions and interactions, they have consequences. And so, it wasn't until three years ago, when I was at my weakest... At a point where I felt like I was failing my family, I was failing my children, I felt like I was failing myself, that I was on the floor crying, doing something that I had never really done in practice before. And I prayed because I knew that no matter what happened next, it wasn't something that was going to be within my control. It wasn't going to be something that I dug myself the way out of. I, it wasn't something that I was going to be able to make up some lie to tell myself, It was going to have to be divine intervention. And so I asked God, God, please show up. I don't even know if you exist. I don't know if you care about me, but please help me. If you do, I will do anything you want. Well, spoiler alert, he showed up in a big way. And now I'm sitting up here talking to you people, spreading the word about how important it is to have a relationship with God because like we said, life change will never happen without an intentional
1: relationship. That's right, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. The host can't know you're at the party unless you knock on the door, right? (laughs) And the reality is, is he's waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to knock. He's ready to open the door and Jesus desperately wants an intentional relationship with every single one of us today and every day. He doesn't just want it on one day. He doesn't just want it on the day you declare your faith through baptism. He wants a relationship with you every single day, and it's available to you every single day. And I want to just invite us right now, if that is you today, you need a relationship with Jesus, So you know you need it, I want to invite you to mark it on your Connect cards that I choose Jesus. I want to invite you, if you feel like you've made that decision in the past— and you feel like you need to recommit or kind of renew that decision, mark it on the connect card. I, I recommit my life to Jesus. Why? Because we can't do this alone. And we use those connect cards to be able to reach out to you, to do exactly what they say, to connect, to get in touch, to walk alongside every single one of you. If you're watching
0: online, text Jesus to 402-628-7166. Let us know that you're ready to intentionally seek that you're ready to have that relationship in your life.
1: And maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you to join a group today. Right outside there's tables that you can check out, all of the different life groups at Meadows Church. You can sign up for Celebrate Recovery, where anybody and all of us with hurts, habits, or hang-ups are welcome to join that as well. But don't leave today without taking a next step. As a matter of fact, Hugh, I think what we should do today is we should do a little bit of practicing what we've been preaching, right? Getting uncomfortable. I couldn't
0: agree more. I think it's an opportunity for us to, again, like we said earlier, your most uncomfortable moment could be just the thing that saves somebody. And there may be somebody in this room. I guarantee you there is somebody in this room right now who needs that encouragement, who needs that prayer, who needs that intentional relationship with God. So I would encourage you and say, I think we are on the same page Mm -hmm. here. Let's use this time to get together to pray together, to, to get to know one another. You're never going to get to know somebody by being like this every Sunday. Hey, good to see you. See you later. (laughs) How you get to know somebody is by getting together. We've talked about all the ingredients of life change, being vulnerable, being open, being willing to be uncomfortable. Let's do that right now.
1: Yeah. We all have that opportunity. Yeah, We're, let's group up groups of five or six. I've i uh, I've asked some of the worship and production team to be looking out. If you don't feel like you can lead a prayer or anybody in your group can lead out a prayer, the prayer team is all around the room. I want to invite you to just have one of them come over and join your circle and, and pray over you. Yes. And we have specific prompts as well on the screen. Like if you're like, I, I'll pray, but I don't know what to pray. We'll have specific prompts that you can pray up on the screen as well so you can Pray over something. Pray over each other. Or if somebody in your group has a specific request, but if you're new to Meadows Church, we are a house of prayer. We we, we believe in the power of prayer because we've seen what God can do through it. And so this is not just a, an attempt to make you feel uncomfortable for the sake of getting uncomfortable. This is because intentional.
0: And this is because we want to see
1: God move today. And just like the verse that Sarah
0: shared earlier, where one or where two or more are gathered in God's name, he is there among us. And we want to see that. I want to see him move in the ways that only he can right now. If you don't feel comfortable praying in front of people, take your group to a, to the prayer room. Pray there. But But whatever you do, do it with intention and love each other. Because that's the only way that we're really going to see change happen.
1: That's right. So let's pray together, church. After you're done praying, we'll take just the next three to five minutes. We'll pray together. After you're done praying, you can go ahead and meet some new people out in the welcome area. Sign up for a life group recovery, things like that. But church, we love you so much. God bless you. Make it a great week. We'll See you soon. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.